The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com Hello and welcome to another edition of Hidden Horsepower by Total Seal. I'm Joe Costello, WFO Joe. We have got another episode where we are diving into the world of horsepower with some of the greatest engine builders and thinkers in all of the automotive industry, one of which who joins me each week as my co-host on the program, Mr. Keith Jones, the Director of Technical Sales for Total Seal. Keith, welcome back. Another episode. Well, good to hear from you, Joe, and and glad to be here at uh... It's always a, we'll say it's always an exciting day and a great time when we get to do these shows. So true. In fact, one of our last episodes, for those who didn't hear, it was a frequently asked questions type episode where, Keith, you recall, we kind of just went down the list of questions that people may have. And I actually received a fair amount of positive feedback, like people saying things about the episode as much as we love our rock star guests coming on people learned a lot for that last episode so kudos to you well thank you i appreciate that we we you know it's there's a lot of accumulated knowledge you know knowledge in this industry and and all the automotive racing and uh you know it's a matter like we've said so many times of sharing that information and getting it out there uh especially to the young and up and coming guys that uh don't necessarily have the resources that we had when we were young uh, to be able to go just ask that question. Now they've got to go out, search it, find it. And yeah, you know, we want to get that information out there and make it readily available. The technology is so different. In fact, I got one on my Instagram account that I'm going to just share with you and the audience out there because we did end the Frequently Asked Questions episode with the uh, you know the solicitation like if you've got a question you can send it to us and we'll answer it on the show right if you're doing that we encourage you to call Keith right away uh, but uh, we got one so anyway super stock racer who runs a Volkswagen Doug Colley reached out to me okay. and said flat out, next time you and Keith are discussing piston rings 101 for the guys who have just enough knowledge to be dangerous and insist on assembling their own engines, a.k.a. me, ask about, what about inspection? And he lists a whole bunch of questions. Bottom line, I will forward those to you. And he says he learned more than he ever could have expected out of that one episode. So good job, Keith, and thank you, Doug, for listening to Hidden Horsepower. And thank you as well, Doug. And thank you, Joe, for giving me the format to do it. Yes. Well, uh, and in reverse, you're giving me the format to give you the format. And on this particular episode, we're very excited because we are drag racers, Keith, but we also love and appreciate all forms of motorsports. The Don Ott episode, great stuff, sprint cars. But now we get to go into the heart of NASCAR country, talking about Concord, North Carolina, with automotive specialist Keith Dorton. Keith has got a long and storied career starting off in 1965. The stat that sells it all to me and Keith Jones, I want your opinion before we bring Keith Dorton on his first customer, the guy, the first guy to pay him to do something, Ralph Earnhardt. There you go. Says it all. Keith's one of the guys and I want to paint, you know, just kind of a picture for people out there that may not be familiar with Keith. This is the guy that, that, you know, that the Earnhardts, that the people came to when, they wanted to find more. They know there's more there. You know, there's a lot of guys out there. That, you know, they they're great engine builders. They're accomplished. But but Keith's one of these guys that you know kind of you know 
he finds the things that nobody else thinks about. You know, you know once you hear it, you go, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. Well, someone had to think about it first, and, and Keith's one of those guys. He's one of those guys that saw things and, and understood things that, you know, the, the, the average guy like me didn't necessarily recognize till he pointed it out. And, All right. And that's, you know, he, he's a real thinker. Let's get to it from automotive specialists, racing engines in Concord, North Carolina, Mr. Keith Dorton. Keith, welcome to Hidden Horsepower. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm uh, very flattered by your comments there, Keith. Uh, appreciate that. And the f- feeling's mutual. You guys have, have helped us a ton over the years. Well, thank you. We're, we're glad to be a part of it. Always, you know, always glad and proud, I should say, more than glad, proud to be a part of, you know, a, a person's success like yours and, and, and their, you know, and their, their race winning history. It's out. You know, we appreciate it very much. Joe kind of dated me there, uh, talking about when we started. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but I started really young, uh, Joe. Well, let's, let's talk about it. You've been doing it for a long time. First of all, as I see the way I look at it, maybe it's unique because I'm in the middle, right? I'm 47. I just turned 47 guys, just so you you know, I don't mind, but, uh, I've got so much experience being able to speak with people like yourself, Keith. And then I see coming up behind me a whole new generation of engine builders. And yeah, they're doing it differently because they have technology, which you did not have. You had to do it in a different way and you had to kind of create new concepts and ideas and build the machines that helped you build the horsepower. But I'm in a unique position to kind of see both of those generations. But how old were you when you started, Keith? And how did you become interested in this like what was the spark that lit the fire that made you want to pursue this for a lifetime well uh i kind of thought that i was born on the wrong coast you know when i was a teenager or even before teen years uh and that i really envied things going on in southern california because i was a drag racer to start with and uh but i i uh got involved and and read drag news and hot rod and and uh, tinkered with lawnmower engines and built go-karts and actually built my first car, which was a 32.5 Wanda with a flathead. Started on it when I was 15 and started driving it when I was 16. So uh, we got, a, got an early start. And we actually started the business, what was I, uh, tw- uh, 20, 20 years old, I guess, when we started the business in uh, 65. But... Uh, yeah, you know, going back and, you know, thinking about things, uh, piston rings are something that has really gone through a tremendous involvement. I, I, I couldn't, nobody could perceive what we're doing now or what Total Seal is doing on piston rings. But, uh, and I got a couple of examples of stuff that we did is pretty crude back in the day, but, uh, where do, you, where do you want to start, Joe? Well, that's uh, let's let's talk with Keith Jones. Uh, I am just in awe of the things that you've seen in the racing community, and I know we want to get into some of the technology centric conversation, and that's where uh, the director of technical sales from Total Seal, Keith Jones, will dive in. But I just uh, I, I want everybody to understand that you started out your business. Uh, you know, initially doing some stuff with Holman Moody, right? Like the the era of NASCAR that you worked into initially is the era that we now look at as the uh, the golden era, right? Like you were in and around guys like Smokey Eunuch. Like that to me is 
ultimate in credibility, especially where we are now. I just want to give you a little bit of love for the uh, for the life you've led to this point, and then we'll begin our information extraction. Well, and again, I appreciate that. And you know that I got my start at Holton and Moody, and uh, really my first full full job, and my only other full job. Uh, you know, my entire uh, career that I worked there in uh, 64, all of 64, and uh, a little bit of 63, and all of 64, and early 65 before I started the business. And uh, worked with some really smart people. Uh, weren't engineers. You know, we, we I did get the rub elbows with some of the engineers from forward then, but uh, uh, the guys were just hard workers and innovators there and uh, taught me to work with my hands and my brain, you know, so I uh, wouldn't take nothing for that experience. Tell me about Ralph Earnhardt being your first paying customer. Is that uh, true? I've, listen, I'll tell everybody, I use the Internet for my research, right? Like I come up with a couple yeah. of nuggets. <laughs> Is that true? Well, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm, the first piece of equipment that I bought was a uh, balancing machine. And uh, the closest balancing machine uh to here uh, was about uh, 80 miles up the road and Ralph would take his engines uh, or assemblies up there to get them balanced and so when he found out that I'd started the business and uh, he came down and uh, told me he would uh, you know he had you know he'd like for me to balance these engines and he knew that I'd had experience from working over at Oldman and Moody so uh we got to be really good friends and uh, balanced, to, balanced a lot of assemblies for him. But he told me, he said, look, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You just need to work by yourself. And, you know, you don't need any more equipment. you got everything you need. And all you need to do is balance assemblies. And uh, you'll be good at it. You'll make a good living. And you won't have all the headaches and so forth. But uh, uh, I didn't take that advice at all. You know, as as soon as we made, you know, a few dollars, we bought a piece of equipment and more inventory and so forth, and then added uh, employees and uh, uh, rent from there. Now, should I listen to him? I don't know. I've made a lot of friends and got a lot of knowledge uh, by accident, most of it, uh, through the years. So, and I think if he, if he had, uh, if, if he was still here, you know, he would, he would have a little respect for me for not taking his advice, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but well, no, he, you know, he was, a, he was a great guy. He was a real racer. He was an innovator and he did everything himself. You know, he built the cars, built the chassis, painted the cars, built the engines. And, you know, when, uh, Dale come along, uh, Dale was a few years younger than I was, but we, we really hit it off. And, uh, and that's that's one thing that I'm that I'm very proud of. We we did engines for for uh, Dale and then Dale Jr. You know when he started running late model stocks and running the bull rinks. So uh, uh, really feel attached to that family. Uh, and uh, actually, Dale's brother Randy worked with me for many years. Uh, and uh, so we 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 just had a close bond. Uh, for the fans out here who are just listening to uh, your, you know, stories from 
icons in NASCAR, like to hear all those names connected and think about the era, it must be special. Let's bring in Keith Jones. Keith, this is a great opportunity for you in that uh, you get to work with Keith on engines and kind of see the behind the scenes creativity, like where it comes from. That's the reason he didn't just balance engines, because there was all kinds of creativity in there that needed to come out in various ways. Give me some uh, examples of how you guys have worked together over the years. Well, we've, we've worked on, you know, it, it's funny, you know, because so much, including myself, you know, years and years and years, decades have been spent, you know, building performance engines. I mean, you know, I, I, you know I'll say a millennia uh, of people trying to make it faster, make it better. I was just at an exhibit in, you know, at the Phoenix Art Museum called the Art of the Race Car, 22 iconic race cars from Indy cars to, you know, Formula One stuff. If it gets, I'll just say this for anybody that sees that exhibit, it comes to your town. Check it out because it is uber cool. You know, with the Ford V Ferrari movie that's out right now, the actual '68 '69 GT40, you know, chassis 1075 that won both races is in that display. Uh, just unbelievable stuff. But anyways, you know, all of these are race cars and they go back a hundred years. And you're looking at all these things that we're trying to do to them and make them better, always trying to be innovative. And uh, one of the things that's, you know, uh, until recent decades, and I'll say we're, we're kind of ones that helped kind of push it forward, was, you know, the, perf- the ring was always just kind of overlooked. It was just, ah, it was that other thing. You know, you did all the work to the head. You did all the work to the manifold. You, you, you did all the work to the carb. You did everything you needed to do to the block. You did all this preparation. Then you just stuck a set of rings in it because they fit. Uh, and, and, and working with Keith, trying to reduce tensions and make things lighter and improve ring seal all the way around, whether it be bore finish or coatings on the rings, you know, working with him is, is, is a part of the development of this part and to keep pushing it further and further and further and where it's going to end, you know, who knows uh, the, the, the neat thing about working with guys like Keith, you know, today's technology, so much is created, tested and dynoed on a television screen. You know, we, we do everything in a modeling program. We, we do all, you know, we research it and that's great, but, you know, I grew up and Keith grew up, you know, in an era where, you know, I'll call it, you know, I hate saying it this way because some people may take it the wrong way, but I, I call it good old boy mentality. Uh, where we, we just tried it. And we're not going to sit there and think about it for five years and go, I wonder if that works. You know, a guy like Keith, you, you build a new camshaft, you stick it in and run it. If that didn't work right, well, you build another one, you make a change. You know, we test and test and test and try and try and try. And there's, you know, there's, there's groups of, you know, people out there that don't do that you know we like i said we model it to death until we've done the one and then that's it but you know thank goodness for guys like keith and and so many others out there that you know were willing to take their knowledge you know build the part put the part on try it if that part didn't work you learned from that and then you built the next one and and just kept trying it and evolving it uh i remember being at an aetc conference a few years ago and and keith had i can't remember if it was a video or just pictures but they had built a clear oil pan so they could look at the roping effect in the bottom end of how the crankshaft will literally wick oil up out of it and wrap it around the crank and look, you know, it literally looks like a lasso around the crankshaft. Uh, you know, that's one of those things that, you know, it's an aha moment when you see that. And I'm not sure exactly when he did that, but, you know, what a startling thing and, you know, the realization of seeing this going on and what a destructive force that is in the bottom end. And, and again, tipping my hat to him on that. Well, that that was uh, boy very informative, uh, and you know I, I I shared this with someone not too long ago. Uh, I don't I've never won a race with theory. We've you know you got to have a theory to start with, but but uh, the only way we've been successful is to 
not put it on paper, but put it on the dyno, you know, actually physically make it and run it and, and then go to the racetrack. But, uh, but boy, you know, that's, that's one thing that I was born a little early to take advantage of some of the technology that these young guys can do now, you know, they can sit down in front of the computer and simulate a lot of these things and, uh, um, really, really be ahead of the game. But, uh, here I'm taking a hammer and a chisel and uh, a welder and chiseling it out to see if it really works. <laughs> and, you know, as you well know, quite often it doesn't. Uh, but, uh, but you don't forget. More, more, don't time, forget more times thing. than not, but you learn from it. <laughs> right, right. You know, um, here we just finished the, the uh, race in Florida. And uh, I remember one, one of my first things when I, when I felt like I really started expanding my knowledge on piston rings was we were, when we were first doing the restrictor plate engines with the small box, uh, in the mid to late eighties, um, you know, all we had for piston rings then, you know, was just a regular old one sixteenth, uh, you know, Molly top ductile second and, uh, you know, uh, three millimeter oil. And we we took these, or NASCAR took these 600 horsepower engines and restricted them down 200 plus horsepower. So you fought for every ounce you could. And I, I took an engine that we were making around 400 horsepower on on the dyno, and uh, pretty much everything conventional. We weren't pulling vacuum then. Uh, we didn't have any exotic oil pumps, but. All I did was baseline the engine, run it, made sure everything was dialed in. All I did was just on the dyno, took the heads, took the pan off, took the pistons out, took the second ring off, put it right back together, and ran it. And uh, not a scientific test, but it was scientific to me and the fact that I knew all my variables were the same, and it was a good test a good a and b test and we picked up a solid five horsepower on a 395 or 400 horsepower engine i thought wow you know that's that really set my mind to thinking about friction and who had ever thought keith i know you 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 may you you certainly thought of it before i did but who would ever thought uh just a few short years ago that we'd be running a compression ring that was a uh, around a 20,000th width with those 73 radial. I mean, yep. there's, a, you know, there's no friction to speak of there. Uh, but uh, that I haven't really thought about that a lot. I mean, just from that experience 30-some years ago to just reducing the friction by taking off one ring. Now, we, you know, you had to be careful about these things uh, then about oil consumption in a 500-mile race. Uh, but actually the first time we did that, we actually won the race down there. So, uh, it, it did turn out. Where are you going from there, Keith? you have any idea? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a darn good question. Uh, be, you know, because if you'd asked me 10 years ago that we would be at the size ring that we are today, I'd have said, I don't know about that, but you know, like yeah. anything and everything, you know, uh, new materials keep presenting themselves and new coding technologies keep presenting themselves and, uh, 
you know, we've been talking the other day about, you know, m- you know, matrix materials and, you know, trying to take this, you know, turn rocket science into, you know, into automotive science. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's where it's going to go. So where it ends up, I, I don't yeah. honestly know, but it'll be, it'll be thinner and lighter. <laughs> I guarantee you, you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, I kind of, that friction thing, I kind of call it free horsepower. We don't have to increase oh. airflow or compression or, you know, add power adders. Uh, it's, uh, you reduce friction and it's, uh, doesn't cost you anything. So, uh, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, so you're 100% correct. Yeah. I love the yeah. fact that uh, Mr. Dorton is using the opportunity to get a little something out of Mr. Jones and do that, uh, Keith. Like, I love the <laughs> idea. We got we got him on the spot also as far as where this is going and, you know, thinner and lighter, uh, less friction. That makes a lot of sense. But the how you accomplish that, like we just learned in the in the drag racing world a couple of weeks ago that the block hone on one of the pro stock engines fundamentally changed the performance of the car. Uh, Kenny Delco was out there saying, like, all we did was hone the engine. And uh, all of a sudden, they're making 25 more horsepower. So there is a lot to be said in that area. Uh, is there something that you tried, Keith Dorton, that, that didn't work? That you went down the road and said, oh, this is not the road to go down. We need to try something else. Oh, that, yeah, for sure. Uh, c- concerning... You know, the topic that we were talking about here today, though, uh, you know, we've tried all types of uh, honing procedures and, you know, heated the uh, block and so forth. And, uh, you know, we, we we actually, as far as cylinder finish, and, you know, it's it's a matter, you, you've got to treat every engine individually. And and we're, we're fortunate in one way that we do a big variety of engines and uh, all different types of motorsports. Uh, so you got you to keep that in mind, but uh, we went through some of the weird honing techniques that were uh, brought about in the, oh, the 90s, uh, well, mostly in the 90s, where there was uh, real deep valleys and uh, plateaus, and, and uh, the crosshatch was all different than into a mirror finish, and we kind of hit on what we were and settled on uh, just a basic cone job. We have diamond homes, but uh, and we use them on the uh, uh, high carbon blocks uh, or the Nicosil liners. Uh, but basically, you know, we finished with a you know an eight twenty, and then a few strokes with the C thirty corks, and uh, has worked for us. Uh, but you know where a lot of people go wrong, and I think Keith, you will, um, you will uh, agree with me, is the the um, the break in. You know the new rings you don't require a break in. Like you know when I was growing up, you take the car out and you run it hard, and then you let off, and then you run it hard, and so forth, and cycled it uh, temperature wise, and so forth, a number of times to break in the rings. With the rings now, and the way the blocks are prepared. It's pretty much spontaneous, and if it's done right. But we've had we've had some guys just recently that have a uh, run-in stand, not a dyno, but a run-in stand, and they put a carburetor on there. That's uh, they're going to race and run the thing at fifteen hundred to two thousand RPMs for twenty minutes to breaking it in, and you're just washing the cylinders down. Uh, 
and uh, ports are black and wet sometimes. And, uh, you know, why, why is it doing that? Well, you know, you're washing all oil off for one thing, but, uh, so that, that's a couple of things that, that we found that, that didn't work. And, and we found that you can definitely over-engineer yourself if you're not careful too. Oh, I agree completely. I mean, uh, yeah, I mentioned it when I think one of our previous ones, uh, that the running stand guys are going to hate me and now they're going to hate the other Keith because, I, I agree with them 100%. I see more damage done to engines run on run-in stands. You know, there, as Keith said, there's no load on the engine. They're fuel washing it to death. Uh, if it ever stood a chance of seating the rings up, well, that chance went out the window 20 minutes ago uh, because it's, you know, it, as Keith said, you want to get it fired up, set the timing, lash the valves, and get it out there and run it. You know, that it, you know sitting there with no load, pouring fuel through, it's killing it. And it's it's one of those things that I deal with every day. We work very hard to you know, pre-lap our rings. And, and as Keith said, you know, the stuff pretty much just, you know, comes right in. If you've got a decent cylinder finish and you haven't put anything crazy in it for oil uh, and you get out there and do your thing, it's, it's, they're going to come in. You know, it's, it's, it's a piston ring. I mean, if we do it right, you do it right. What's left to do? You know, we just, you know, it's going to come in, but I had a gentleman this morning uh, talking to, and he's asked me about break-in oils and he's, he's got it in his head that he's got to take this oil and then add all these extra break-in additives to it. And I'm like, sir, the people that, you know, let the oil engineers engineer the oil. They've already put everything in it it needs. It doesn't need your help. And, and he's been having all these problems, and I'm trying to convince him that it's all these extra concoctions that he's pouring in his oil. Just buy a good break-in oil and run it. That's all it needs. So, uh, you know, if we, if we stay out of our own way, we generally don't have too many problems. Yeah, that's true. Keith, you, I know you, you remember the – the micro welding issues when they first uh, popped up, uh, you know, 20 years or more ago. And uh, yes, sir, you know, I do. The ring was, yeah, yeah. The ring was the first thing everybody pointed their fingers at. And, uh, you know, that we were first we started pulling vacuum and, uh, you know, we weren't spraying the, the cylinders. Uh, we were drying things up and we were micro welding that top ring. And, uh, but the thing was, it pretty much didn't matter whose ring you were using, it wouldn't happen. Uh, but, but I found out, uh, purely by accident one, one time that, uh, and we weren't, ourselves, we weren't having a lot of trouble micro welding. And, and at that time we were doing 90% of our business was, uh, the NASCAR on the cup level. And, um, uh, fairly successful at it, but we weren't having the micro welding trouble that a lot of them were. It was just very occasional that we'd have it. But uh, we had worked with a particular piston company and uh, they had really worked on getting that top ring groove like it should be. And uh, again, this was a wide groove compared to what we're using now. But we found out that one, one piston that most of the guys were having trouble with uh at that time you know the piston the top ring groove was uh machined with a slight angle up so with the compression you know it flattened the ring out against the cylinder uh and these were they had a, a run of a, quite a big run where they were the top ring groove was actually angled down you know, very, so very slightly, but, uh, you know, we ran a thousandths 
thousands and a couple of tenths or maybe a thousandth and a half uh, clearance on that top ring then. So that ring could basically flop around. So it was letting it lose that seal by going below the uh, horizontal, if you follow me. You, do you remember any of that, Keith? Oh, yeah. Now, there was, yeah, like I said, the tilt in the, tilt in the ring grooves. Oh, yeah, I remember very well. Yeah, right. But along those lines, you know, you guys uh, and the piston people now that can machine that flimsy top ring, uh, both machine the ring and the piston people being able to machine that groove, you know, it's just I, I never thought we'd have that capabilities. Uh but uh, now with the hard anodized uh, top groove and your, you know, quality of your rings, micro welding's a thing of the past. I mean, it's, uh, I'm sure it still happens some, but uh, even though as much vacuum as we pull in these things, uh, it, it just amazes me how you can machine those things. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of work. Like you said, Keith, it's, uh, you know, I remember years ago when we first came out with the 0.8 millimeter rings and, you know, the, the piston guys were, you know, cursing us because, man, you know, we don't know how to machine that ring groove. The, you know, the tool deflects so bad with that little teeny ring. And now, like he said, we're all the way down to 0.5 millimeters. So it's, you know, it's a challenge from both sides, not only how to make the ring, but how to cut that land and, and cut a good one. Uh, you right. know, cause you stated, you know, microwaving is pretty much a thing of the past. It doesn't happen much anymore. It's, it's, you know, if it does, you can usually, you know, find something that caused it, you know, timing was off or, you know, fuel wasn't right or whatever. Uh, it, it's usually something that's being done to the part, not by the part. Uh, but, uh, but like I said, you know, it, it, we definitely keep pushing each other's envelope to, you know, how to make these things. That's for sure. Well, I, you know, I was going to say the quality of what we're using for piston rings now. You know, in the early days, you you know, that was a part of a rebuild. You may not have to put pistons in. You just put rings and bearings. Well, that's not true anymore. I mean, the quality of the rings, uh, it's not uncommon. And, you know, again, we're an independent shop. We we don't have anybody paying the bills. We got, you know. So we, we have to count our pennies and we have to do everything very economically and efficiently. Uh, so it's not uncommon today for us to use a set of top rings from one block to another. Who would have ever thought you could do that, you know, years ago? It happens. It works. We've been doing it for a, a good while now. And if, you know, there's a certain place you can go and we look at it, things under, you know, 50 power magnification and uh you'll know when it's time to replace but boy it's it's uh a lot longer than it used to be and and you, just to throw this out there and i know i know my boss is probably not going to want me to say this because you know we're you know we're a piston ring company uh but i i actually just had some rings sent back in for inspection uh from a you know a nascar team uh these rings have 4800 race miles on them and mm-hmm. you know, are are they are they done? Eh, they're close, but not done yet. <laughs> you know, they're, they're they're not over. There's still a little life left in these guys. And and like yeah. I say, and a lot of people don't realize how severe that environment is that these things run in these days, and it's crazy. Wow, that is amazing. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. Okay, Keith. So here's yeah. here's the question I was going to ask. In that, um, go ahead. Yeah. Not falling into a routine with 
building engines. Like, this is working for me. This is working well. I'm going to keep doing it, right? Like, you have to always be ahead of the next competition. Whoever's building an engine across town or across the world, they're trying to beat you or, or certainly offer a better product. So you have to innovate. And being able to do that on a consistent basis and that creativity that you have to think I don't want to use a cliche, but outside the box, right? Come up with something new. Uh, how, how have you been able to do that so effectively over such a term? Well, uh, gosh, I, I, uh, I don't know. It, you know, somebody, I'll have somebody else tell me that you can't do that or it won't work. And uh, that fits the wheels of turning. That happens that happens more than it should, but, uh, uh, we've always liked a challenge. Um, and sometimes you get in a rut, you know, you got to make money doing this too, to survive. Sometimes we have to do things. Uh, well, I've, I've made the comment before, you know, I got to do certain things to be able to do what I want to do. Uh, it's just like, uh, when we first started, when I was telling you about Earnhardt, I had to do brake jobs and tune-ups so I could build engines, too, because <laughs> there wasn't enough of it to go around that way. But uh, now I, I'm, I, it seems like we've always got some project that, uh, that you, um, you know, really keeps the brain sales active. And uh, you, you just want to step out, just step out of the boat. You know, see if you're going to sink or walk on the water. And uh, I, fortunately, we've been involved with land speed racing a good bit the last decade. And uh, there's no rules, so to speak, there. So it's a, it's been a dream for me to, to be able to get out of the world of the inspections where they're, you know, splitting hairs to uh, basically no rules at, at uh, for land speed racing. And, uh, got a project going on now that uh that i actually has woke me up at two o'clock in the morning a few times already and uh you get to thinking it's hard to go back to sleep you want to come to work so i feel very fortunate that i at, at my age that uh i still feel that way you know when you can't wait to get to work in the morning i don't know if that's a right or not but uh i, I feel very fortunate that uh that happens quite a bit with me Amazing. Uh, I notice experimental work, Department of Energy. Is that top secret stuff? Is that something you can share? Is that uh, you can give us like a, a taste of what you're doing? I'm thinking about like what could the Department of Energy possibly want to experiment with engines for? You know, space stuff, military stuff. Mm -hmm. Is that something you're allowed to uh, talk about? Well, uh, it is now because I actually have as part of a presentation at the ADC conference last year or year before last and uh that was we we did a number of engines for them uh using a variable compression ratio theory and uh so we were under non-disclosure uh, you know commitment for quite a while there but it's pretty well common knowledge now but uh i you know that was uh i thought it was a joke to start with when somebody called me and asked me was interested in doing that and then when they flew down here from washington <laughs> i realized it wasn't a joke but uh that was uh that was actually it was my first 
time having the luxury of being able to use with uh, use some of the cylinder pressure measuring equipment and so, and so forth uh, back then. Now, it wasn't to make horsepower. It was because it was for efficiency. You know, they were looking at uh, um, making the engine more efficient, which in turn makes more power. But uh, but these were pretty unique pieces, and uh, uh, we did. Uh, Four gas, uh, five gas engines, one diesel, you know, for them. Uh, and now that technology has been using, been used. Uh, well, Nissan has a variable compression ratio engine that's coming out now. I think this year that's very similar to what we were doing. Then started that project in 2000 and uh, haven't done anything with them in about four or five years now. So, but gained a lot of knowledge there. Interesting. Keith Jones, do you have any final questions for Mr. Dorton? Obviously, I think we could do this. Like Keith Jones and I could do this all day long. I don't know about Mr. Dorton. Uh, we'll have to have you back if you are so inclined. But Keith, do you have any final questions for Mr. Dorton? Well, well, there's actually a couple comments I'll make there. Uh, one, it, it is exciting to, we'll say, wake up at two o'clock in the morning and have an ID. And it's so great that a, you know, a guy like Keith that's been doing this you know, for a long time, you know, you want to think that, hey, maybe he's run out of ideas, but he hasn't because he's a thinker. You know, he thinks outside of the box. And one, you know, one thought leads to the next thought, and then all of a sudden the light bulb goes off. And, that ex- that, you know, that's exciting uh, for me and exciting for the, you know, for the performance world that, that guys like him are, you know, still coming up with ideas and still doing these things. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the MPMC conference, which is a media trade conference held in, in California. And I was sitting down with a gentleman that, that knows Keith, and he, he asked me to ask you about why you took up smoking the pipe, and it had something to do with restrictor plate engines and looking at, a cl- at the cloud. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the, when you were talking about the window and the oil pans and looking at it, you know, we, we, hired, a, we hired a guy to do some high-speed filming, you know, the dyno. So we put some windows and... Uh, in the runners of the intake manifold, uh, and in the side of the plenum chamber, and the side of a carburetor Ventura, and you know, use lights and done this high speed filming. But anyway, on the flow bench, I couldn't afford to keep this guy on. <laughs> you know, we, we made use of his time when we had him here, but but I was trying to doing flow testing on cylinder heads and manifolds. You know, I wanted to be able to see see there because i wasn't understanding it you know we had a pedo tube we could stick in there and, and so forth and but so i uh i said well i need smoke and my i never had smoke but i thought well i tried to you know it was too dangerous to light a piece of newspaper and hold it there so so i i got a pipe and started smoking a pipe on the uh, the flow bench and uh and it works, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and going on from there, you know, you've probably done this too, Keith, uh, if, or, or seen it done, you know, uh, take oil can squirt on the headers on the dyno and, and see where the smoke goes, how it goes into the induction system. Uh, yep. Amazing. You know, I, I found out about uh, boundary layers and, you know, all kinds of, of crazy things that I never would have thought, but uh, now that, uh, yeah, I, I didn't like the smoke, I guess, but, um, uh, but it sure taught me a lot <laughs> watching it. 
Well, I, I, I very much appreciate you answering that because that, that's kind of where I thought it was leading. And, you know, again, these are the little secrets and the little things that, you know, that guys that, that necessarily don't think like Keith uh, may not ever come up with an idea. But here he is. He just shared that. And it's like this is, you know, how he's looking at, you know, swirl effects in the carburetor and the intake manifold. You know, he's, he's using that smoke and seeing how it actually moves. And, and that's just another little piece of unlocking the, you know, the mystery of what makes this thing make power. Any final questions for Keith Jones from Total Seal as we get ready to part ways on this edition of Hidden Horsepower? Well, no, I mean, I, I'm uh, very honored that you guys asked me to, to be on here. I hope we contributed a little bit. Uh, and uh, Keith, I'll, you know, I'll continue to keep bugging you as long as you'll let me. Uh, you guys, uh, you know, it goes back to the days with Joe uh, with the Total Seal and, uh, you know, such a great company and uh we've got a we've got a lot in common because we've we've been been doing it you know all our lives so uh so keep it up we we appreciate it more than i could possibly tell you and and again we've got to you know like i say you know god rest his soul but you know we you know here we tip our hat to joe every day and you know thank him for you know having the innovation the idea to do what he did and what he started and you know letting us carry on his legacy keith i always I always end off every episode with a question to our guests that hopefully is, uh, you know, advice to your younger selves, right? Like there are engine builders out there, 20 years old, 16 years old, people that are interested that are just starting out in their journey in this world, motorsports, maybe to get in uh, and hopefully keep this sport that we love going for the next 50 years or so. Do you have any advice for that person? that is out there trying to make their way, trying to figure this all out, this world of technology and engine building. And uh, it is very challenging now with all the technology, et cetera. But do you have any advice you'd like to offer those folks? Well, yeah, you know, I, that's the one thing that I've, I've taken a, a, a big interest in over the years uh, in that trying to help young people that are that are starting out and uh i you know as long as you treat every engine that you work on just like it's going to the indianapolis 500 or you know charlotte motor speedway or whatever it may be going in the you know your uh, grandpa's buick but if you if you treat that thing with the same care as you would a race engine you know, I'm not talking about using a, a set of tool steel piston rings and things like that. I'm talking about the care of making sure all your tolerances are right and so forth and treat it with that care. There's no telling how far you can go in the business. And, uh, I, you know, that's hard. That's hard to do because sometimes it's cost us money when, when uh, maybe when uh, racing there's not uh, not a shop full of race engines and you've got to do some other engines to pay the bills. Uh, it's kind of hard to do that, but, uh, but you got to, you, you know, there, you, you've got to do it just like it was yours and, uh, do it the best you can. And, and there's no limit to how far you can go. Well, thank you for that. Mr. Dorton, thank you for spending time with us on Hidden Horsepower by Total Seal. It has been a great career, and thank you so much for sharing some of your stories with us. Hopefully you'll come back in the future. I know this is going to be a very popular show with everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys, and y'all have a great evening. You as well. Thanks, Keith. 
Keith Dorton, how about that? Automotive specialist, Concord, North Carolina, and uh, Keith Jones. I'm calling you guys by your last names, right, because you're both Keith. But to me, you could just feel and sense the experience, and we barely scratched the surface. Oh, yeah, yeah, we could we could go for hours. Keith's knowledge and, you know, everybody hears this all the time. You know, he's, he's forgotten more than I know. And and to just be around a guy like him and, you know, sit down and, you know, and have a beer and talk war stories, he'd tell you things about engines and people that, you know, should go into a book. He's, he truly is a legend in this industry and very honored to be able to speak with him. Yes. Amazing stuff. And uh, just the beginning, Hidden Horsepower by Total Seal. Click subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify to hear more uh, interviews like this one, plus frequently Asked questions answered by Keith Jones. Keith, uh, where can they send questions if they have questions of you? And the idea that at some point in the future we'll ask uh, questions from listeners out there. Yeah, well, they can. You, know, you can always call us at eight hundred eight seven four two seven five three. You can give us a ring, uh, or you can email me. It's Keith. It's K E I T H, and then the letter J. Keith J at totalseal dot com. Uh, I will answer your questions. And, you know, if you need anything, please always feel to reach out to us. That's what we're here for. An amazing episode. Keith Dorton, legendary, uh, the NASCAR side of the world. I was happy to hear he started off as a drag racer, though. Me too. You know, I, well, there's a, there's a little drag racer in all of us, I think. You know, it's, uh, uh, <laughs> I, think it's a, I think it's an important thing. We, we start off on the streets and then we eventually work our way to the track. And I, I just want to mention, I know that there are a lot of people listening who know the name Dorton and have maybe questioned, uh, yes, Keith's brother, uh, Randy, was at Hendrick Motorsports for many years. And if you have been aware of the family name, know that Randy was lost in the 2004 Hendrick Motorsports plane crash near Martinsville, Virginia. That's something that I'm sure has been sparking in the minds of people who are uh, paying attention on the NASCAR side of the thing. So the Dorton family name has been very successful in the world of uh, engine building on the NASCAR side of things uh, and beyond. Just wanted to tie that all together for everyone. Keith Jones, thank you once again. I appreciate it. Uh, A great job on this edition of Hidden Horsepower. Well, look forward to our to our next one, and, and it's always a great time. Thanks again, Joe. Appreciate it. And that's going to do it for this edition of Hidden Horsepower by Total Seal. More episodes in the archive, Apple Podcast, Spotify. Go back, listen. We got Jason Line. We got Stevie Fast, Matt Hartford. We got Pat Musi. We got Ben Strader. We got Don Ott. They are all up there, whether it be sprint cars, drag racing, stock cars. We are covering it all on Hidden Horsepower for you hardcore engine building types. Or if you're new to the game, We're going to try our best to get you up to speed. That's going to do it. My name is Joe Costello, and we'll see you next time on Hidden Horsepower by Total Seal.